OTB Rugby. And that's why those of us that aren't cynicals but understand the workings, see the world rankings as they currently are, as very fallible and very loose. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. So it is Ireland against France in tomorrow's under-20 Rugby World Cup final in Cape Town. It is a six o'clock kickoff. there. Rory O'Connor is in Cape Town. Good evening, Rory. Hello, Nathan. Uh, you would like to spend tomorrow, I imagine, uh, talking about a, you know, what could be a historic occasion for Irish rugby. I fear you may end up spending most of your day talking about Jonathan Sexton because he's been in facing his misconduct hearing since, what, nine o'clock this morning and no white smoke so far. Yeah, I wouldn't guarantee to be white smoke tomorrow either. Uh, I get the sense that this three-man judicial committee are going to take their time, that they want to assess all the evidence that they've heard today. We're still waiting on the kind of, uh, you know, kind of a missive from EPCR to kind of explain what's happened today and whether how long things are going to take or where where it kind of all stands. But um, the word on the street is that that it's it's certainly not going to be today. We're going to hear whether Johnny Sexton's been hit with a ban. And from the sounds I'm hearing, it may take a little bit longer as well, which is kind of crazy. You know, it doesn't. Mm. Why would it's it take hard so to long? Underst- um, well, look, if it means that they're being as thorough as possible, then, you know, you have to take them at their, their at face value on that. But, you you know, Johnny Sexton has been waiting on this for nearly two months now. I mean, the game took place. The incidents we're talking about, the kind of post-match exchanges with the referees that are at the heart of this hearing took place on the 20th of May. I mean, how long ago does Leinster La Rochelle feel? You know, it's mm. almost the start of a new season. It's dragged on, it's dragged on. They, You know, there was a little bit of time where people were off. Then there was kind of a thorough fact-finding mission. Sexton, I think, wrote, was asked to write. They received a letter of misconduct and he wrote to EPCR. Leinster had to fight their case as well because they have a case to answer. But it's just dragged on for so long and... I find it hard to understand what they're actually talking about all day. Like, you know, how if it's two interactions between Sexton and the match officials on the day, and I guess it's a question of whether there was adequate video evidence, whether there's audio recordings of what was said or what was perceived to be said. You know, are we, a, is it a he said, he said kind of thing? Um, it, it's baffling in, it, to me in some degrees, not being in that room. I mean, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I think it'd be as popular a, a viewing experience as the, PA, the PAC committees this week, but... Um, maybe we'll get the written judgment in time, but I understand what's going on. But look, there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake for Jonathan Sexton. You know, he's he's going to retire after this World Cup. There's a fear, I think, that the longer it goes on and the longer it takes, the more serious it's being uh, perceived. And um, certainly, there's a worry out there that 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 there could be something quite impactful coming. And that's, I guess what's always going to be the case when you're in in the hands of, of, of two senior councils and another official. So look, or King's councils and, and another official. So look, it, it, we don't know. We're speculating just, just now, yeah. but what is, the is sounds there any are precedent, Rory, for this? And you were in studio, um, myself and yourself, the night that the charge was made and we mm. were you know, talking about the length of time it had taken uh, even to get to that stage and we're a couple of weeks further on now. Is there any precedent when you look at previous cases with the EPCR where there has been this length of time where there's been a case as you said it like it's two charges it and as we said at the time I think it'd be hypocritical uh, for us to say you know that Sexton sh- shouldn't f- face some sanction if he has gone over the top against a match official but from the outside this seems 
rather straightforward. How has it taken so long to get to this stage? And then when it comes to the actual misconduct hearing, how are we taking at least one day and possibly into a second day to come to a decision? And possibly a weekend as well. Look, I, I, I don't remember, like, you know, I stand to be corrected, but I don't remember a case that's taken this long and being this drawn out for something that while serious is not, you know, it, it's, it, it's Is there it's any possibility there's something going on here that we don't know about? Like, is it more serious than... Not that I'm aware of, right. no. Um, it, the, the charges are the charge and the... Um, charges related to exchanges as as I understand it between Jonathan Sexton and the, the match officials on in the aftermath of the game. So it's a matter of what he said, whether he said what he's been accused of saying, what evidence evidence is there supported. As I understand it, there was nothing in the referees report around it. I'm sure the RFU's defense of that will um will 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 center around that to, to some degree as well. So look it's it's um it's up in the air, you know. It's it's. But you're right. There's no no precedent, as I understand it, for something taking this long. It's an unusual case as a stand, you know, as it is. You know, there are cases. Look, Dylan Hartley missed the Lions tour because of something he said to Wayne Barnes in a Premiership final that was dealt with quite quickly. There was a case earlier in the season um, involving a, abuse of match officials. I think there was physical contact involved in that. There's no suggestion of in, in this case that 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 is the case as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's up in the air, I guess. Uh, and you were up in the air yourself uh, rather quickly uh, after our beautiful, semi-final beautiful segue over South Africa. You weren't expecting this trip to Cape Town, but uh, here we nope. all are. So first time since 2016, Ireland have found themselves in a final. That team were beaten by England 45-21. It featured the like of Jacob Stockdale, Hugo Keenan, Andrew Porter, James Ryan, Max Deegan. Uh, this Irish side, you know, we've discussed it over the past couple of weeks, what they've had to go through off the pitch and the terrible tragedies surrounding this squad their performances on the pitch was this was this level expected from this group of players i think so nathan i like uh, they are they are the grand slam champions they uh, what we've seen in this tournament is that the best teams in the tournament are from europe so they've already played england and france um who played each other in a semi-final the other day south africa gave them a good game in the semi-final but but weren't as as good as them and New Zealand were were way off France in the in the pool stages. So they came over here with with a weight of expectation on their shoulders. They they have a size that Irish under twenty teams don't or ordinarily have an ability to carry themselves into you know win collisions, win contacts that Irish under twenty teams up front have not necessarily had over the years. And every couple of years there's a crop of players who are able to put together kind of something special like you know Ireland have won I think it's three out of four of the last Grand Slams and the other one was called off so um, you know they, they've been very good at consistent at this level at Six Nations level but at World Cups they've often fallen short but this one was was earmarked as, as a team that could achieve something um, doing it the way they have given the circumstances has been all the more impressive but they are delivering on the potential that I think everyone knew was there um, they're up against a very, very good French team uh, who they only beat narrowly in the Six Nations tomorrow. So there's no guarantee that they'll be crowned world champions. You know, in, in the heel of the hunt down the line, it's really about how many of them become senior professionals and, and, and play for Ireland and all of that. But right now for them, it's just such a big focus. Yeah, listen, it's obviously a totally different group from 2016, but there's probably lessons to be learned from that final as well, where I think the game was pretty much over by half time. It's, it's a final now. It's not necessarily about performance. It's about hanging on in there. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I think so. But I think they are quite performance focused. Um, whatever that means, though, know, I think they are 
a team that will even as they negotiated their way through the tricky bits off the pitch, you know, the tragedies that they've dealt with, I think they've fallen back into training, back into matches. They found comfort in that performance element of things and they are very high-performing athletes who are in, part of a very fun, highly functioning system. So I don't think they, they they have managed to get through games where they're, the games have gone against them, particularly at semi-final. Like, you know, South Africa had the ball for most of that first half and yet Ireland came out on top at half-time. That wasn't necessarily that they weren't performing, but they they found a way to perform without the ball. You know, I I do think that they can't white knuckle their way through this final. They need to show up. They need to get it right. I, I I don't. I think if they get it wrong against this France team, they'll be beaten. Just as if this France team get it wrong tomorrow night, you know, Ireland will win. They have to show up. They have to show up with everything they've got. They have to take their chances when the moment comes. They're not good enough. No, no one at this level will be good enough to kind of get through. They got to fire shots. They've got to be on it right away but the, the fact that they've won that Grand Slam and they had that finale at home on national television against England a couple of months ago that will stand to them you know the fact that they've beaten France that they've beaten the hosts on home soil even the stuff they've been through off the pitch you know n- you know, obviously very serious and nothing to do with sport in so many ways but we'll all just feed into the fact that they've become more resilient that they've grown together as a team talking to them today there's a there's a bond there that's that's been forged across this last year that will stand to them as well look france i'm sure have will be saying the same things over at their team hotel but th- this is a, a pretty special irish group and uh, win or lose tomorrow but i think that if they get it right they can win yeah 11 games unbeaten for this irish squad back-to-back grand slams uh france are unchanged ireland have made one change to their team they have Mangan has moved to the second row and McNabney is back from his ban um, comes into the back row. And I think that's kind of a reaction to the fact that France have Pasolo Tuilagi, who I, I spoke about here the other day, um, who's just, you know, he's, he's he's got the name. He's from, he's a direct line of the, the Tuilagi family who just keep producing quality rugby players. He's 149 kilos according to the official statistics. So he's a monster of a man, but he's not a traditional second row. He's in the second row, but like, you know, you're not going to get him in the air. He's too heavy. You know, Ireland, I think, are looking to move him around the pitch. They, they, they've they picked essentially a back row in the second row to get another carrier into the game to try and play a high-paced game um, to negate what Tuolagi does, but also to exploit maybe the limitations around his game as an 18-year-old who's still growing into that giant body and still, you know, trying to turn, I guess, a French strength into a weakness. So, um. It's unfortunate on Irvine, who's played very well in the last couple of games, but they've got, you know, Richie Murphy's made a, a fairly brave selection call. I think it'll be a 23-man game. They'll, they'll, they'll bring, you know, a very, you know, their bench has made an impact in all the games as well. They'll show some trust in that, but it's a, it's a very strong, it's two very strong 15s. It's a very consistent Irish 15, even through the Six Nations. They've been quite lucky. Um, Aaron Dundon, their scrum coach, was talking earlier about how They've been quite lucky with injuries thus far. You know, they've been able to pick their best players largely through it. They've been able to bring Andrew Osborne, Jamie's younger brother, um, into the squad for this for this tournament, and he's been really impressive on the wing. And one of the big elements tomorrow is the fact that this well, they played in a bog of a pitch at the start of this mm. tournament after a really poor spell of weather here on the Western Cape. They're playing on the local the local professional football team's pitch in in a, in a place called Athlone, a, a suburb of Cape Town. It's uh, I presume named after the the the, the Midlands town. Um, it's the Athlone Stadium, but it's a nice stadium, quite quite similar to Thoman Park. But importantly, even though it's the third of three games on it tomorrow, the pitch is apparently very very good. It's a soccer pitch. It's a pro soccer pitch. It's very strong. It will hold up, and also the weather is very good. So if they do want to play the high tempo game, 
they won't, you know, the, the pitch will allow them to do that. Whereas early in the tournament, if they come across France and Parle a couple of weeks ago, they might have got bogged down into playing a game they really don't want to play, a real winter game of rugby. Whereas, you know, they're used to playing on hard tracks. Most of their Six Nations was played on Astro. So that's being a factor in this tournament and slowing them down. So I do think there's, there's a chance for them maybe to express themselves here. This is where they played South Africa. In the second half, we saw what they could do with ball in hand. Conditions are going to be better tomorrow night. And that's, that's a positive for Ireland, I think. What about the French then with ball in hand? Because a lot of the focus uh, and nearly all the previews, we spent a lot of time talking about Pasolo Tunaghi and he will be a centre point of everybody's attention. But the rest of that French team, what can we expect? Like he's an awesome player, but he's not alone. That They, they have an array of talents. They have a very big forward pack. Ireland are that small. But in that All Blacks game, their ball carry is coming around the corner caused... The, the 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 like it wasn't a vintage New Zealand crop this year, but it was still you know it was still New Zealand and they were always strong at this level and they were absolutely blown away. It was such an impressive point um, performance and they've been scoring a lot of points in every game of this tournament. And um, they have threats out wide. They have a pack who can beat you up up front. I think what Ireland will be hoping to do. They're very good halfbacks as well. What Ireland will be hoping to just you know at least parity up front, maybe get them going backwards, cause them, cause them problems, but also stay very accurate because France, you know, and it, you know, they're cliches for a reason. You'd fall into the realm of cliche with any French team. If you give them a broken style of game, they'll thrive in that. You know, they're, they're, they don't play a structured game as Ireland. Even though this Ireland team can play heads up like Andy Farrell's side, it's still within a structure and they'll want to keep this game as structured as possible. France is a very good um, mall. They they dominated a lot of the forward stuff in Cork earlier in the year, and Ireland were probably a little bit lucky to come out of that Six Nations game with the win, but again, it showed the character that they had. Sam Prendergast scored a late penalty to win it, having, you know, they got a big lead in the first half, and France came back. They're a, f- a high-quality team, full of good players, who a lot of them have top 14 experience. Um, there'll be no easy challenge. Too laggy, we get all the, all the kind of attention but they have quality players around them who will match what Ireland can do. Ireland had a very strong scrum in that game and were dominant. And the scrum's been really impressive. Dunn's been the, the coach there and, and, and he's done really good work on them. Um, Ronan Fox has come into the team. Paddy McCarthy shifted to Lucid. That suits him. He's a really excellent, excellent player. So I think they're very well matched, these two teams. And, and they have different strengths, but it, it should make for a very, very entertaining game. You mentioned New Zealand there. Incredible that tomorrow they're playing in the seventh and eighth place playoff against Georgia. Yeah, the Australia team that Ireland beat, beat them. And there was a red card in that game. But our, Australia have played them twice before they came over here and broke even. It was one all before they came over. So if it was a series, they'd have won it 3-2. Like, I do think this is... Look, you can read too much into one year. You know, everyone's... You know, the two years' time, Ireland might not have a great under-20s team and might be down the, down the pack. But there does seem to be... It almost confirms the sense that the the Northern Hemisphere is very strong right now, that Ireland and France are leading the way. England had a very good team at this tournament as well, drew with Ireland. Um, you know, we haven't had this tournament for a couple of years. I do think COVID hit the Antipodean teams very, very hard because they're so far away from everywhere. You no, know, they're playing super rugby against each other all the time now, um, with teams from the from the islands as well. It's not as you know, having the South Africans in that in that gene pool was able to you know, harden those players up and they learned an awful lot of, about themselves and I think they're losing that. Even rugby championship last week, the games against Argentina and Australia were very, very soft, you know, so it's hard to know where those Southern Hemisphere teams are and where those nations are right now and it does feel like at the moment, probably, you know, eight years on from all four rugby championship teams dominating the semi-finals uh, at the World Cup in 2015, it does feel like the Northern Hemisphere is in the ascendancy going into this year's World Cup and this under-20s tournament only just kind of backs that up a little bit. The 
atmosphere around and the I'm sure it's a huge occasion for all the families as well and it was you know listening to Alan Quillen and Ron O'Gara a few weeks ago talking about about their parents and the the bond that is there off the pitch and you know how poignant it's been over the last couple of weeks how difficult it has been considering all the tragedies is there a lot of Irish support there for the for the players tomorrow yeah even on my flight over this morning there's still families making their way over to to Cape Town to support their 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 their, their kids and John Devine the centre was talking earlier today his parents only made it out this week they haven't been able to come out for the pool games so he was kind of jealous of all of his um his fellow players you know got over to celebrate with their families and even getting out for dinner with their families as they went um through the tournament so yeah like I haven't seen a lot of it you know it's not like an, an Ireland senior men's tour where you would see the fans around it's quite a small band of, of families that are here but you can see it at every game the noise they make they've spoken a lot today about how uh, how they feel the support from back home as well um, I think social media has been quite important to that I think this team because of what they've been through have connected with a lot of people back home and the way they play um, yeah I don't think there'll be a massive Irish crowd in the, in the stadium tomorrow but the, the parents that are there will make a lot of noise and the, the brothers and sisters and cousins and whoever is over there and, and they'll kind of all surface around that time but yeah they'll, they'll have good backing and I, I think the South Africans have kind of got on board with their story as well it's you know, it's resonated beyond beyond Ireland that this team's um, kind of the adversity that they've been through during the tournament. Uh, Athlone, by the way, is named after the Earl of Athlone, which was created ah. in 1692 by King William III for General Baron Van Reed in honour of the Siege of Athlone. So there's a little... Very good. There, there's 20 words covered for your article for tomorrow for you, Rory. That's, uh, that's my intro sorted. Just, uh, I've got an update for you. Oh, here uh, we go. Nathan. Live there's, breaking... Uh, <laughs> there's no decisions. It's just confirming there's no decisions. Um and the decision will be communicated from the um committee to, to Sexton and Leinster in the coming days. So there's no hard stop on this. So it's just confirming what we talked about earlier that this is gonna rumble on for a couple more days. Uh your tone uh when we were talking about it earlier doesn't suggest that no news is good news necessarily. I don't yeah, like it's hard to, you, you can read too much into it, but I know our, Ireland will be worried and it's hanging over They'll say it's not, and a couple of players were out launching the jersey yesterday, and and they'll say that it's you know Sexton's training well and all of that sort of stuff. But he has to be affected by this. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. His family are being affected by this. You know, it's quite personal as well. You know, it's a misconduct charge. It's it's and look, if he if he is found to have overstepped the mark, I think he deserves a punishment for that, and he'll accept that. And I believe he has held his hands up and said that some of his conduct was, you know, was was too much. But I think he you know. To drag it out for this long to me just doesn't make any sense. Whatever about if they're taking the time that it needs to reach the right decision, fair enough. But I don't understand why we're what are we thirteenth of of uh, of July now? This happened in, in on the twentieth of May. It's taken too long and it's it's unfair on him. I think the best case scenario now for Ireland probably is that he gets a one or two game ban, misses a couple of warm up games, and is back just in time for the last game against Samoa, and then can play full part in the World Cup. Because if the ban goes into the pool stages, then Andy Farrell has the decision to make. You know, mm. can he take a player who's not available and risk it? I know he has Frawley, Crowley and Ross Byrne. He's got things he can do to try and have cover for that number 10 position, but you're impacting into the squad then. There's no way he difficult. doesn't pick him. No, there's not. No, no. Especially as long as it's not, you know, you're not looking at, you know, there is precedence that players have got 10 weak bans for, for abusive match officials. I'm not suggesting that's what he's going to get. Some have. I do think that's that's over the top. But if he was going to miss the entire pool stages, could you risk that? I I, I see no way that Johnny Sexton doesn't go to the World Cup, if you know what I mean. Like, I think he, that's a double negative, but he, he'll definitely go. I, but it's just, it's that sense of uncertainty that doesn't need to be going on at this late stage. You know, we're only a couple of weeks away from the first warm-up game. 
if he's going to get a ban, it should have happened a couple of weeks ago. Mm. But yeah, plenty more for us to talk about, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned some of the Irish players were out talking yesterday. Peter O'Mahony was one of them. And we're going to hear from him chatting with Ashling O'Reilly a little bit later in the show. Rory, great stuff. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Thanks, Nathan. Roy O'Connor there from the Irish Independent, live from Cape Town, ahead of that under-20 World Cup final. And all our rugby and off the ball with Vodafone is, with thanks to Vodafone, Ireland's most reliable mobile network and proud sponsor of the Irish rugby team. Rugby on Off the Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.